Hi, this is Jim from Safety Wars. Before we start the program, I want to make sure everyone understands that we often talk about OSHA and EPA citations, along with some other regulatory actions from other agencies, legal cases, and criminal activity. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Proposed fines are exactly that, and they are often litigated, reduced, or vacated. We use available public records, news accounts, and press releases. We cannot warranty or guarantee the details of any of the stories we share, since we are not directly involved with these stories, at least not most of the time. Enjoy the show. This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. And from the border of liberty and prosperity in the highway to the north, the Safety Wars for Monday, June 26th. I can't believe that it's already June 26th, 2023. How's, these do? How's everybody doing? Everybody, where did that come from? Well, let's see, are we on the air here? Yes, we are on the air. Got to trust the software. That's what uh, Jay Allen always says. And guess what? I don't trust the software ever. So I always have Safety FM playing in the background. Actually, the software isn't the issue. It's me that's the issue. So, you know. Anyway. Been working on some stuff, uh, new products to roll out in the very uh, near future within the next week or so. Uh, got stuff going all over the place. We got, we're out here in the main, major, uh, we're swinging a baseball. My son, softball is over with my daughter. Uh, unfortunately, the last game got rained out. Now everybody's on to summer camp. So, uh, now, right here in my community, it, I don't know about anyone else's, but my community, everybody, no, school is over, okay, over, summer camp. It's like, really? No, some kids got out on Friday. They were on the bus to sleep awake Saturday morning, 9 a.m. It's like, wow. That's not the way it was where I grew up. I feel like uh, I'm that crotchety old man. Now, back in the day, back in the day. So, what are we going to talk about tonight? Uh, you know, it's... We haven't heard that one in a long time. So, give you a little bit of history here. Back in, uh, let me get the camera here. Back in the day, and you may see this. I get asked about this book uh, somewhat regularly. Are you going to do an update to it? Nuclear terrorism, family response. Uh, when the political winds change in this country, I took it off of me. I'm going to be honest with the listeners out there. Right, we uh, nuclear terrorism wasn't, or nuclear war wasn't seen as a issue mid two thousands, no mid twenty tens, I should say. And what was the history of that book? 
History was real simple. 9-11 had happened. We were told to be prepared for a terrorist attack, which might include uh, bio- we had to, a couple of them. We had not, obviously in uh, the first World Trade Center bombing. We had a terrorist attack on the Brooklyn Bridge. We had uh, uh, then the big one was on the uh, 9-11. We had the Rise We had all this stuff going on. We had the anthrax cleanup that I was personally involved. We had a lot of stuff going on. So uh, my first company was not doing so well. So I took a uh, job in Logan, Ohio at the General Electric uh, lighting facility where they actually make uh, the bulbs, the tubes for fluorescent light bulbs. I don't know if they still do that, but back then they did. And no, I had a lot of time. I was away from home, had a lot of time on my hands, no family, uh, that sort of thing. And I said, you know, uh, I, I never have seen a Never seen a good training materials for radiologicals. So what I ended up doing was, and I used, uh, I don't want to talk religion here, but Luther's small catechism as my guide in writing the book. So I open up with an introduction, and the introduction doesn't really apply anymore. But uh, technical details for non-technical people. So I go through here, and the way that Luther's small catechism is uh, set up is uh, it's interrogative. There's probably a literary term for it, where you ask a question, and then you answer the question. And I go through, and how many pages was this? 40, 50 pages, 49 pages uh, in here, where I go through the whole uh, thing in 50 pages. And in reality, it was like 40, right? When you consider everything in there. And I was hoping that this was not going to be needed because we were worried about terrorists in those days, not so much nuclear war. But I could see that that's, things are changing now in this country with everything, with uh, the war in Ukraine, the situation that happened in Russia over the weekend with the almost coup and uh, everything else that was going on. So let's go over some of the stories here. Pulling up. Russia tries to restore control as Putin blasts mutineers. The leader, uh, and this is from Wall Street Journal uh, this morning, well, actually, no, just now. It was just updated a couple hours ago. The leader of an abortive military mutiny, Yevgeny Prisgozhin, defended the short-lived insurrection and claimed on Monday he wasn't trying to oust President Vladimir Putin in Russia, while Putin blasted the organizers of the revolt that presented the most serious challenge in his 23 years in power. Prigozhin defended his actions in an 11-minute audio clip posted by his press service, saying Wagner's aim wasn't to overthrow the government, but to protest the way the paramilitary group was being treated. Russia state media reported that the Wagner leader, whose whereabouts is unknown, is 
still under criminal investigation. And late Monday, in a late Monday address in the nation, Putin sharply criticized the organizers of the mutiny for betraying their country. Though he thanked the Wagner soldiers who turned back, he re reiterated that Wagner soldiers have an opportunity to sign contracts with the Defense Ministry or go to Belarus. Apparently, the president of Belarus had uh, arranged, I don't want to say asylum, but exile in Belarus for the uh, Przgozin. So, what, one of the things, and this is all seems to be happening in real time here. I'm not a military guy, but based on what I've read about the situation and discussing it with military people uh, in my community, the way that the Russia, Soviet Union, and then Russia runs the military is that it is very much centralized, meaning you have to have, you're having senior officers run the show on a lot of things versus the American military where sergeants run everything pretty much where decisions can be made at the local level. And what happened here was when the Wagner group started to advance towards Moscow, Moscow conditioned the uh, orders fast enough. And that thus was the stalemate or whatever happened down there. And we'll let the historians figure that out and the analysts. But what, what's the end result here? The end result here is this. Uh, Putin lost 35 pilots, number one. Number two, the emperor has no clothes at this point. As it's been reported, Russia is destabilized. And when you have a destabilized country with nuclear weapons, you might have a problem. All the analysts that are out there stating, hey, uh, you know, uh, uh, no, no, nuclear weapons, he won't use them on his own soil. He won't do this. He won't do that. Well, guess what? I, I don't know how true that necessarily is because uh, as part of what causes insurrection or coup attempt, whatever we're calling this today, and this is Monday, June 26th, uh, whatever we're calling this, uh, it is in the Russian strategy that if they're going to be, uh, it's been since the Cold War, if they're under threat, they're going to use the nuclear weapons. That Those are not off the table. So I don't know what to think here with this. This is what I know. This is what I know. After researching this and getting a lot of positive feedback with this, right? And that was published, I believe, in 2012. Uh, and going back with this, right? Uh, actually, 2009 was the first printing, and then 2012 was the second printing. Going back with this, we can't control what the government's going to do. We can't control what our own government's going to do. Right, right. We have a republic here. We elect leaders to run the show, and they're not going to. We don't have any direct control over them on the federal level. We elect the leaders. They're going to do whatever they want through the, you know, through the whole voting thing, electoral college, and everything else. We have more control in on the local level. That's a direct democracy for the most part. Uh, with that, now to varying levels depending on where you live. But we have no, we can't control them. What can we control is 
us. We can control us. We can't control them. Now, I don't want to make this to an us versus them. We can't control them. We have bureaucrats. We have this. They can't get their move known together or anything else. So the question is, how are you going to prepare? What is your game plan for your family to deal with this situation? We know what the situation is with COVID. We just went through this for three years. Some would argue we're still going through it, depending on your locale, your company policies, what, you know, the medical treatment, whatever, foreign countries. Some would argue we're still going through this, just that we don't have restrictions, whatever, right? May 11th, everything ended. What are you going to do? How are you going to prepare yourself? Are you going to go out and dig a uh, bomb shelter out in your backyard? Are you going to purchase a house that can be used as a fallout shelter? Are you going to live in a house with a fallout shelter? Are you going to go around keep meaning to hang this up. You're going to go around and find out one of these and say, well, I remember where it was in high school, right? The fallout shelter. What are you going to do? There's a lot of stuff you could do. And I'm going to read the... Chapter 3, Facing the Facts. It's a page and a half. It is like the contents of this book's book will cause mixed feelings ranging from denial and delusionment to hopefully empowerment. I hope I have inspired empowerment not only in disaster management but in all aspects of your own life. The past few years have been rough on our nation. We have faced economic problems. Remember, this is 2012. Disillusionment with the political situation. This was 11 years ago. Politicians and political parties and the rise of radical groups and other challenges. Again, both sides. Insights that were once called conspiracy theories have now been found to be facts and mainstream because of researchers and government whistleblowers. See the news today? What, what, what the hell is going on with government whistleblowers? Unfortunately, our government has proven that they are unwilling or unable to protect the public without curtailing civil rights and running up massive debt. This was 2012. What happened during uh, COVID here? Right, one side. So, Pointing this out. Many folks have been lulled into a sense of complacency. Right? Even after September 11th, Katrina, Super Hurricane Katrina, the global financial crisis, the Gulf oil spill, and the international response to Fukushima, and I'll add Superstorm Sandy response because it was written before Superstorm Sandy. Many people still believe at their own risk that the government is prepared and will help them. Nothing can be further from the truth. Right? And going on, there was one politician who was quoted, I'm not going to mention who it was, you never let a serious crisis go to waste. And by and what I mean by that is, it's an opportunity to do things you could not, not do before. This is 2012, folks. Faced with the threat of nuclear disaster or nuclear war, do you really want to risk your future on elected and appointed leaders who allow bad situations to fester? 
Are they to blame, or are we to blame for electing them and not keeping after them? Power lies with us, and that means we can fix it through the power of the ballot box. Take the opportunity to use it. Not all is bad. This is still America. And we still have the opportunity to change. And this has been a journey for all of us here. All right, I gotta turn this off because it's gonna be the whole thing. So that's my message, or that's my opening here with this, with Russia and everything else. And every I have like ten stories here to talk about this, and it's all uh, you know. Here we have another one from the Express.co.uk Wagner Group. Coup is a game changer for Putin as his days are now numbered. They're saying that maybe a worse fate, and the article is not saying that, but people have said, well, maybe a worse person will be put, uh, put in uh, charge here. Condoleezza Rice, I just heard it on an interview, former Secretary of State said, what was the wisdom behind putting together a private army in your within your own borders? This is what, uh, what did he expect to happen? Uh, U.S. spy agencies picked up intelligence in mid-June indicating Wagner, mercenary chief, uh, was planning armed action against Russian defense establishment, which he has long uh, accused of bungling the war in the Ukraine. This one from Barron's. China contends with weakened Putin after Wagner mutiny. It's the headline. My daughter's in this tie-dye phase. Right? Making tie-dye stuff, so now the uh, squinchy things for the hair, right? or tie-dye, a couple of shirts. So my wife says, well, you know, she's artistic, we got to encourage her. So I get a white t-shirt, and she's doing tie-dye tonight with the white t-shirt. We covered this a couple of times here. No more shots. Pill versions of Ozempic-like drugs are coming. Tablets can appeal to people who don't, who want to lose weight but despise needles. I know one of the uh, main issues why people do not like taking insulin if they are diabetic, even if they're type 1 and they absolutely need it. Uh, here's a little statistic to you. Uh, people from diagnosis of type 1 diabetes to death without treatment uh, used to die within 18 months. All right, and then uh, once uh, insulin was discovered and used, I mean, their life expand nowadays pretty much the same as everybody else, but you got to be very, very diligent in doing that. But, and for type 2 diabetics, uh, one of the big uh, things is the stigma of needles. And one of the big, uh, as I understand, one of the big uh, uh, barriers to people with uh, t- taking their insulin shots, which, no, there's different ways to do them. There's bolus and basil, right? Uh, basil being a couple of, uh, once or twice a day, bolus being uh, all the time for every meal, multiple times. Stigma, number one. Number two, people don't like needles. And one of the holy grails for diabetes is management has been a pill form of insulin. But what it is, is the insulin pills, which they've had experiments over the years, cannot make it through the digestive tract. 
they break down in the acidic confines of the stomach. And that's been one of the big things. So with Ozempic or Wagovi, or the other one is uh, Munjaro, I think that's how you say it. Uh, they are weight loss uh, pills or weight loss drugs. You take them once a week in needle form, you get better compliance, but also it basically knocks out the whatever it is in your brain, in your body, whatever that is to get hunger, to regulate hunger, it pretty much uh, gets rid of that. So, uh, what there is now, and this was in the Wall Street Journal today, no more shots. Pill versions of Ozempic-like drugs are coming. So th this is from Novo, uh, Novo Nordsk, uh, which is, I believe, a New Jersey-based company. At least their headquarters is in the metro Princeton area. And is uh, pill form. I think that, again... The Ozempic and the uh, uh, Wigovi and the others with semi-glutide and Munjaro. And there's another one that name uh, escapes me now. They're all basically the same, do the same type of thing. That's a game changer. You only have to take the shot once a week, right? And it gets rid of what most diabetics have a problem with, which is hunger pain. So... It's a game changer. I know people on this is phenomenal. Now, the tablets, if those are approved by the FDA, what ends up having uh, to happen is uh, now you get rid of the delivery system, which is the most expensive part of the drugs a lot of times. So you get rid of that. You have don't you know that gets rid of the bloodborne pathogen issue with needle sticks, refrigeration that gets rid of. Uh, now it's portable. Right, more portable, and I, I think it's a uh, uh, thing, right? Especially for people who uh, fear needles. FDA creates path for psychedelic drug re uh, drug trials. Federal regulators are laying out guidance for psychedelic drug uh, trials for the first time in a move that would could encourage a mainstreaming of substances like magic mushrooms and LSD behavioral behavioral health treatments. Why it matters, psychedelics are turning into a multi-billion dollar industry and gaining widespread acceptance after decades of concerns about recreational use of the products, the high risk for misuse. But research today has largely been backed by private sponsors. The FDA on Friday released first ever draft guidance outlining considerations, including trial conduct, data collection, and subject safety. For researchers looking into psychedelic treatments for a variety of conditions, including PTSD, depression, and anxiety. Uh, so Dan Crenshaw, uh, of, um, uh, Republican from Texas, introduced legislation directing the issuance of clinical trial guidelines. It came as uh, 10,000 attendees and hundreds of exhibitors converged on Denver for what was billed as the largest psychedelic conference in history with guests ranging from uh, New York Jets quarterback Aaron Rodgers and NIH mental health director Joshua Gordon. 
So what's going on here? These drugs have shown promise for treating a range of addictions and mental health disorders. So they're looking into it. I don't know uh, what's that. I've heard, you know, a lot of stuff. Some environmental news. The uh, And it's promised land drying. Mormon Church works to save the Great Salt Lake. Valley here was shades around and it's vast, saline, shimmering. When Brigham Young first surveyed the landscape in 1847, recognized the place he had seen in a vision, a spot to make the blo- uh, desert bloom. Right today, the valley is the headquarters of a faith with 17 million adherents worldwide and a tableau of fertile, tableau of fertile verdant lawns, fertile farmland, and blooming growth. Yet, the transformation is threatened because the overuse of water and climate change, and everything is a climate change, right? The Great Salt Lake is drying up, and the Mormon Church is taking on an unusual public role to help save it. So they're doing water conservation out there, and uh, permanently donating a small reservoir's worth of church-owned water, the largest gift ever made for the lake. Uh, again, uh, Salt Lake. Never, I've only seen it from the air. So, uh, flyover uh, country. So, again, uh, environment, this is a legitimate environmental issue here. We have uh, water issues going on over here. Uh, again, use, uh, where do people live and where and how do they use their resources? Not a good thing. Okay, let's head on over to OSHA related stuff. Okay, I just erased all of the OSHA stuff. So no problem. There's only one or two things out today. So this is, these are the press releases for OSHA. U.S. Department of Labor, Georgia Road Contractors to Promote Workplace Safety During I-285 and I-20 East Interchange Project. OSHA has signed a strategic partnership with two Georgia firms engaged in a joint venture. Archer Western, an Atlanta construction company, and E.R. Sneal or Snile, a Snileville construction company to promote worker safety during the reconstruction of the highways. All right. Well, that's good. That's all we heard from OSHA today. EPA, what do we got? Here we go. Department of Labor. Department of Labor was very active today. So here we have uh, U.S. Department of Labor recovers more than 48 thousand dollars in back wages damages for 19 employees denied overtime by palm coast construction contractor investigators for the department's wage and hour division uh, found that a florida commercial carpentry millwork contractor paid 19 employees straight time rates for all hours work including overtime hours by doing so the employer failed to pay uh the required uh, time and a half overtime premium for hours over 40 hours work week, right? And they ended up uh, basically $24,000 in damages, $24,000 in damages. And wages, I'm sorry, $24,000 in back overtime wages, $24,000 in liquidated damages. That's not something you want to do if you're a business owner. Judge upholds Department of Labor findings. Orders Schomburg pool company to pay $312,000 in back wages to 26 non-immigrant workers. 
an administrative, this is in Schomburg, Illinois, an administrative law judge, uh, judge has ordered Schomburg Residential Commercial Swim Pool Company to pay $312,561 back wages to 26 workers employed under a federal guest worker visa program after the U.S. Department of Labor found the employer failed to comply with the two H2B guest worker visa program. This happened last week, and I'm not going to mention the name of the company. Uh, that's basically it. Back wages and, uh, uh, no, 200-some dollars in back wages, 123000 bucks in penalties. You can do the math. Federal court in Nashville has affirmed the findings of an investigation that determined a Tennessee Security and Traffic Control Service provider and its owner misclassified 105 workers as independent contractors, including some who worked as security guards in Puerto Rico after Hurricane Maria. Wow, $632,000 in back wages and liquidated damages. Uh, the... Uh, a federal court in Nashville went through all this. Anyway, what happened was it seems like they were arguing it, and they get, someone got PO'd and put them more fines. Okay. Something from South Korea, right? I did a little bit of a deep dive here on demographic trends here. Uh, right? And basically, and I just erased the story. Hold on. Yeah, get a little bit of a deep dive here. Because now, now we were talking about this for a long time, right? Uh, about demographic trends in the United States and throughout the world and their impact on things like the economy, resources, and everything else. And at, now, regardless of what your opinion is on birth control, abortion, all that, we're not turning in this into uh, an abortion program. A lot of programs out there, both sides, dedicated uh, to the issue. You could go, if you're interested, you could go there with that. But uh, the issue is here with demographic issues. So this is a major threat to world stability, to finances, the economy, our society and everything else, as I see it. All right, so in the 1960s, everybody was worried about overpopulation and that, that impact, that those impacts, which led to 1992, the Rio was included in the Rio de Janeiro Earth Conference. Uh, no, uh, in there, I believe it was June, May and June of uh, 1992. Now we have had subsequent conferences, and now we have Agenda 2030 and everything else. More to talk about on that later on, not tonight. And we have a downward spiral on the demographics. And uh, one of the reasons that's given by demographers, some demographers, for the whole situation we have with Russia is in 10 years they're not going to be able to fight a war. There's going to be a reliance on groups like Wagner Group and private mercenaries to fight wars because we don't have the demographics to support 
unsustained war. We don't have enough people. We don't have anything. So Soviet Union before Russia, uh, after the 1917 uh, revolution, had a, uh, a population growth, and then it's after World War II it grew, uh, you know, where they were going uh, to have lower population growth, right, for whatever reason on that. Uh, we started this in the late mid to late 1960s elsewhere. So here we have in a country, this is from CNN. This is not a conspiracy theory thing here. right? In con country with world's lowest fertility rate, doubts creep in about wisdom of no kid zones. For a country, this is from Seoul, and this is from CNN from Saturday. For a country uh, by Chris Liu, Lau, Gawam Bay, Jake Kwan, and Nayun Kim. For a country with the world's lowest fertility rate, one that has spent hundreds of millions of dollars trying to encourage women to have more babies. The idea of barring children from places like cafes and restaurants might seem a little bit counterproductive. But in South Korea, no-kid zones have become remarkably popular in recent years. Hundreds have sprung up across the country, aimed largely at ensuring disturbance-free environments for the grown-ups. So here we have uh, a problem here. Uh, South Korea's problem is more acute than most. Last year, its fertility rate dropped to a record low of 0.78, not even half of the 2.1 needed for a stable population, and far below that of Japan, which is at 1.3, and currently the world's greatest nation, meaning they have a lot of old people, not a lot of young people. And even further below, uh, the U.S., which at 1.6 faces the aging, aging problems of its own, Again, not a conspiracy theory. This is not from a religious group. This is from CNN. All right? Uh, the young South Koreans already face the pressure on multiple fronts from sky-high real estate laws and long working weeks to rising economic anxiety. Critics of the zone say the last thing the country needs to get one more thing to make them think twice about starting a family. The government, they point out, should know this better than anyone. After all, it's spent more than $200 billion over the past 16 years to try to encourage more people to have children. Critics suggest that rather than throwing more money at the problem, it needs to work on society's uh, attitudes towards the young. Okay, again, a lack of workers, right? No kids, right? No professors, right? No people for the manufacturing plants. You're not going to be uh, with the manufacturing plants as much. You're going to have to reliance on foreign workers. Destabilizing. This is from uh, scmp.com. What's this uh, website about? This came out. out. What is it? It is... Looks like it is a Chinese-focused uh, paper. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, podcast slash news uh, thing. But I'm just going to put it out there. I'm not sure exactly. Uh, it looks like it's Asia-based here, All right? This is from uh, Explainer. China population timeline, 1949 to 2022. How has the demographic crisis emerged? Last year, China's population fell by 850,000 to 1.411 billion, as mothers had 9.56 million babies last year, compared with 10.41 million total deaths. 
This represented the first decline in China's population since 1961, after China ended its one-child policy in 2016. Uh, how did they arrive at this? Right, 1949, Communist Party uh, comes to power, promotes growth, and offers financial incentives, and that's when the population was just over a half a billion. All right, 1961, they had the Great Famine. You could read all about that, how that happened. All right, and then uh, later, longer, fewer family planning policy introduced, allowing a maximum of child, two children per people, per couple in 1970. 1980, one child policy introduced. All right, and uh, right, uh, China conducts in 1990, re 1991, replacement rate drops finally. 2016, one-child policy ends in favor of a two-child policy. And that's how it happened here. China population wedding woes see annual unions nearly halved in the past decade. Fewer marriages, fewer people available for marriage, I guess. Now that's out number of birth. What are some of the things? Again, not as many children. No need for schools as much. Universities, this one, wedding venues. Uh, need more people for the factory or, or less or need more automation. Things going to uh, collapse the economy. Uh, what, what do you think we're doing now with the, uh, with the drones and for the military, all this automation? Uh, but the thing is, fewer people, fewer needs. That's what one side of the argument says. I'm not saying, you know, uh, this stuff is not being thought out. This one is from Metro News, the voice of uh, West Virginia. West Virginia's demographic downer. Demographic issues continues to present significant headwinds for West Virginia. Employers are desperate for workers. Colleges need more students. Merchants always want more customers. There have been some hints in recent years, of more people moving to West Virginia, uh, right? Uh, VW, for example. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, send WV. Uh, I read it backwards. Program is paying professionals to relocate here. However, the new Census Bureau numbers show declining and aging population. Uh, so in two years, the population declined by 19,000. The median age in West Virginia is 43 years. West Virginia continues to get older. So what are the uh, impacts here? Challenges for everything, the whole system. We're going to have to face, and that's too, it's part of the safety war. Let's go to our second commercial break. So... Uh, I'm looking at uh, a graph on from the NO NOAA National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration uh, as of 7 p.m. Eastern Time today, June, uh, Monday, June 26th. Uh, they have a whole map of these here uh, smoke from the fires in Canada. So all through the Midwest, your air quality is being uh, impacted. On uh, from uh, uh, these uh, fires still. So back east, we're just getting the normal smog and everything. 
probably some, uh, some no, minor impacts from all the smoke. When you look at parts of, around the Great Lakes of Michigan, uh, Illinois, Indiana, Wisconsin, some parts of Minnesota. Uh, no, this is and up in Canada, all over the place. Uh, Saskatchewan, uh, Quebec. Uh, no, on the province of Quebec, not Quebec, uh, in the city. Uh, being impacted here. So, uh, I don't know where it's, this is going to be an, uh, this is going to be an ongoing thing here, uh, for us pretty much the whole summer until we could, they get some rain up there or something else. So, uh, the folks over across the pond in Europe, uh, I'm sure you've already gotten some of this, uh, stuff, uh, coming from Canada. Uh, but, uh, I see, orange areas over uh, across the uh, Atlantic heading towards uh, Northern Europe. So, again, open water. Uh, that's what else we got here. America is getting older. That's in, from the Census Department. Here's, uh, oh, here, I did not get into these stories. I'm just going to revisit this. The other Korean demographic crisis, unmasking North Korea's population data. So this article is from uh, NorthKoreaNews.org. And it basically says, we have no idea what the population is for North Korea. You know, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Because they keep on lying about the numbers. And if they're lying about the numbers, uh, that's a bad thing. Uh, there's been a 90s famine, including that impacts, uh, finding that impacts assessments, military and economic strength. Uh, so they have no idea what it, what's going on in North Korea. Here we have another one with Greece. Uh since 2011, Greece's population has gradually been shrinking and getting older. Theodoros Georgiokopoulos, a journalist, columnist, and an editorial director at Dionysus, hey, I, spell, I said that right, joins Thanos Davelis to break down Greek's demographic challenge and what can be done to adjust reality and reverse its trend. That's a uh, podcast uh, there. Again, another demographic problem. Israel has the opposite issue. High rates. So, enough about that. Pew, right, which is a liberal, uh, you know, admittedly, self-reportedly liberal uh, organization. They bring up this issue in population decline. All right, so... Be prepared for oceanical mismanagement claims. This is from shrm.org, uh, membership group. The Occupational Safety and Health Administration has recently issued medical, and this is a story, Alan Smith, uh, who's an attorney. All right, uh, let's read here so I don't violate fair use uh, Claims their Occupational Safety and Health Administration has recently issued medical mismanagement claims to try to prove violations in the General Duty Clause of the Occupational Safety and Health Act. 
Employers, particularly ones with on-site medical professionals, need to pay attention to these claims and take steps to defend themselves against them. The OSHA's general duty clause is intended to give OSHA's mean, OSHA a means to address hazards for which no specific standard currently exists. So, what is medical mismanagement? I tell you what, this is a company that is named after a river has had some of these issues come up. Uh, so here we go. Uh, so what happens is there's an injury. This is not in the story, but this is in the whole thing. There is a uh, injury. There is an incident, musculoskeletal disorder, something like that. And they go to the company nurse or company doctor, which has uh, is, it could be in-house or it could be outside. You're going to a clinic or something like that. And it's a first aid case. I guess listed as a first aid case, but when you read the OSHA, uh, read the OSHA definition of first aid and recordable, we all know that recordable is, uh, it goes on the 300 log, and it has to be something other than first aid, meaning you have to get a prescription, there is a fracture, and there is an unconscious, someone loses consciousness, there might be an overexposure, and then you lose unconsciousness, uh, fatality, anything like that. You're going to get around a fatality, misreporting that, uh, which has to be eight hours of OSHA and in-person hospitalization within 24 hours, uh, and going on amputation, eye loss, things of that nature. That's kind of hard, hard to fudge, that sort of thing. But other than first, say that's where people are getting whacked uh, with this. According to one attorney, right, uh, employees are given an opportunity to become conditioned to the work. What is that? That means like a heat stress issue. Uh, employees are uh, minimal information given to occupational health professionals making these determinations and giving medical care. Medical records not being complete. Oh, yeah, we lost that. Oh, I wouldn't even know about that. No emails deleted, uh, files missing, got put into the circular file cabinet, that sort of thing. Uh, uh, no follow-up by, uh, by uh, health providers. In-house people prefer not sending stuff out that should be sent out. Inappropriate accommodation to workers who had time, directed that time off. Uh, treatment was inappropriately conservative and medical protocols lacked precision. So, Happens all the time, and that's a general duty clause violation. We're going to call it a night here, and uh, I hope to see you tomorrow night. For Safety Wars, this is Jim Polzel. Is your safety training old, stale, and hackneyed? Is your safety trainer still preaching a warped version of behavior-based safety? How about safety training that actually addresses your hazards in your workplaces and is not standardized baloney from 25 years ago? Contact the Safety Wars team at safetywars.com or call Jim Polzel at 845-269-5772. Remember, if you're receiving this message, you are the solution to unsafe workplaces.
The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.